friends, and welcome to your final Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast before the big day. And by that, I mean, of course, Leeds United away tomorrow. There's something else happening on Monday, but small beans, isn't it? As Alex charmingly put, Christmas Day is just town v Leicester Eve. That's the way we think here on this podcast. I am Mark Heath joining me. Two of my favourite kings, probably my two favourite if I, if I was pushed. Um, Stewie Watson, Rossi, Stewie, Rossi, how are you boys? And big question first before we get going. Have you pushed the Christmas button in the respective Watson and Hall's households? Are you eating chocolates for breakfast? Are you diving into a selection pack of party food before you have your tea? That kind of thing. Because let me tell you, friends, I have. and I'm already sporting little extra weight around the uh, the Christmas chin there, um, which is where it all goes on, unfortunately for me. Stewie, are you um, fully in Christmas mode? Uh, hands up. I almost single-handedly finished an entire tub of Quality Street by, yes. the, middle, by the middle of December. Uh, <laughs> they, were, they were handed over quite early, which is dangerous. Uh, and once the seal was broken, yeah, that's dangerous, boy. And I'm exactly the same as you. All goes on the face. I get it, yeah. You can tell when I've been I put weight on because I just go I get oh, it's, it's around here. Um, Rossi, how about you? You don't really like Christmas, but we know you love the food. So have you um have you been snaffling sausage rolls and mince pies? Yeah, mince pies are the one. I there was a, a deal on Tesco's and I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna get those. Um and yeah, there that's a, a regular little trip to over there because I'm my, my kitchen's just there. Um if you're watching on video. Um and yeah, I could I could see uh, the mince pie is right in front of me now, so you never know. During this podcast, I may have a sneaky one. What's Maybe. your um, What's your big weakness around the Christmas food? Mine would be the nuts, the, particularly the dry roasted peanuts. You know, you can get those tins of dry roasted peanuts. They're so easy to eat, and because they're big, you don't really feel like you're eating that many. Um, I can just sit and idly go through about half of half a tin of one of those. Massively calorific, very bad for you. Uh, but that's my weak spot. How about you, Rossi? It's it's definitely chocolate. You know, Chocolate, yes, yeah. quality street celebrations, whatever. Because my mum always does that. She went, I got, I got you some like some treats. So I was like, okay. And she basically like loads of tins of celebrations of quality street. I went, mum, I love you. Stop getting me loads of sweets and chocolate. It's great. I, I, I wanted that when I was ten, but twenty seven. You know, I'm happy for just one, and we can me and Sasha can share. But she normally buys three or four. I'm like, Phew. back in the day, if we're in the office, I would have just brought it in the office. And then here you go, boys, enjoy. But. Obviously, now, now, we... now you're forced to eat it all yourself. Yeah. Siri, have you got a particular weakness? Would it be chocolate for you? Uh, chocolate fingers. Yeah. The ones you can get ones that are white and milk chocolate coated uh, at this time of year. They're good. And then just the crisps that you'd put in a bowl. Crisps yeah. always taste a bit better in a bowl this time they of do, year. Don't Maybe they? some little the cheeselets or some twiglets. Yeah. Um, those little chipstick type oh, crisps. Oh, yeah. All that, all that good stuff. Yeah, we've got a crisp wheel and we have various types of crisp. But as you say, it's A, they seem to taste better and B, you can just completely demolish one without even thinking about it. Cheese is a big one for me as well, Stilton. Anyway, friends, we're not here to talk about cheese or crisp or indeed chocolate. We're here to talk about Ipswich Town. And this is a little mini podlet ahead of the festive period. So you've got something to go into Christmas with because clearly there's two massive games, Leeds away and then Lister at home on Boxing Day. Uh, before we get to those two games, though, there's been a bit of news really since we last spoke, which is definitely worth talking about. And I want to start the first time firing the starting pistol for January, Stewie, which is what you did earlier this week. Um, obviously, we know the January window is going to be a big one. It certainly was big in this past year. And you dropped the first kind of transfer link of the season 
um, on Tuesday, I think it was, uh, Jay Stansfield being linked. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this? He's uh, obviously a striker on loan at Birmingham at the moment. Um, highly rated young talent. Yeah, striker slash versatile forward. Um, mm. So we know Kieran McKenna likes versatility in his players, so he certainly ticks that box. He's been playing as the sort of number nine for, for Birmingham this season, but has played the odd game on the left, on the right, as more withdrawn in the, in the number 10. Um, McKenna has spoken a lot about wanting young, hungry, technical and athletic players are the four sort of key attributes. And again, kind of ticks all, talk, ticks all of those boxes. Um, someone that uh, first team coach Charlie Turnbull would have worked with um, when he was youth team coach at Fulham. So there's a link there. Um, and Ipswich, I think it's pretty clear that they'll probably look to add to that that forward line in January um, to give George Hurst a little bit more backup. And it seems to be trending a certain way with Freddie Ladapo at the moment. Hasn't got on the pitch in the last three home games for Ipswich with the likes of Dane Scarlett and Caden Jackson um, coming off the bench ahead of him. So... <clears throat> Um, it's it's just an inquiry at this stage. People shouldn't sort of read too much into it. I've enjoyed the various theories that have, have come around the origins of this story and what it means. Uh, it's literally just that. It's a well-sourced uh, research story from multiple sources that Ipswich have, have made an inquiry about a player that they've admired for a little while now. Can they get him? Well, we'll see. Um Fulham tied him down to a, a long-term contract 2027 with the option of an extra year. So he's a well-protected asset. Does that mean anything? Does that necessarily mean that they see him as a guaranteed player of the future? Not necessarily. Ipswich managed to sign George Hurst last summer, not that long after he'd signed a longer-term contract at Leicester. Quite often these contracts get handed out just to uh, to protect the asset value of, of a player. Um could Ipswich negotiate something like if they can't agree a fee now, like a, a loan till the end of the season with a, with a fee in place in the summer if they were to go up? That Those things are probably all, all still to be explored. But at the moment, uh, all I can tell you is that he's, he's certainly one on a, a long list of, of players that they're uh, having a little look at and inquiring about heading into January. Mark Ashton's data dashboard whirring into life. I'm sure it's constantly running, actually. Um, Sui, there's been a lot of other kind of stories whirling around about amount of money that town may be willing to spend etc cetera, etc cetera. what what do you understand around that if indeed there is anything you can tell us concrete around that well, there was a story in the sun uh, last week i think that talked about having um a maximum three million pound budget for a striker 15 grand a week budget for wages um my understanding is they, they could push um beyond that I don't know if it would be wildly beyond that because as Mark Ashton wants to keep reminding everyone for a significant a pot of money, as we know, Ipswich can call upon the pension pot in, in America. They are bound by um, salary cost management protocol, financial fair play, all that sort of stuff. You're not just thinking about this year, you're thinking about the next two or three years to, to fall within those. So, uh, yeah, every time we've spoken to Mark Ashton in that exclusive interview I did with him, um, last month he took we know the headroom exactly we know the wriggle room that we've got to play with because they didn't go wild last summer with the spending Jack Taylor George Hurst around one and a half million pound each 
wasn't quite the the big spend up and club record breaking fees that maybe some had anticipated mm. or hoped for, but it, it's given them some wriggle room going in into this month. So yes, they can spend, but also, you know, they are there will be a limit to to um how far they can go as well. And as, as the owners said from day one, they'll be bold with their spending, but then you know they'll they'll spend wisely as well. And they spend, you know, they're, they're very conscious of where this money comes from and and how it's spent as well. So it's not like it's they're just going to chuck it about willy-nilly. It will have to be the, the right player for the right price. Yeah. Rossi, Jay Stansfield, um, obviously impressed when we saw Town play Birmingham. If that indeed comes to pass, and clearly there's a lot of hurdles to jump um, we're at a very early stage and that kind of stuff, would you, is Jay Stansfield the sort of player you'd like to see Town sign in January? Yeah, I think he's a, a plough, you know, I sort of highlighted straight away when we played Birmingham, went, I like him, let's get him, go on, let's sign him up. Mm. Um, good age, versatile, um, ticks all the boxes that McKenna likes. Um, and as Stu said, yeah, okay, he's got a long-term contract at Fulham, but as he mentioned with Hurst, you know, there's there's that pulling power with town at the moment, you know, that with this project going on, you know, they may go, hmm, you know what, I know Fulham, they're doing all right in the Premier League, obviously. Obviously, you probably want to be pushing plan for Fulham. Um, but it's just town at the moment is a team to, to come to. So um, I'll be happy with this one. As I said, you know, good age. You know, he's got a lot of, um, you know, he's got a big future ahead of him. You know, I, I liked him when he was at Exeter, actually, mm. last season in League One. Um, of course, you know, following into his dad's footsteps, obviously, sadly passed away, didn't he? But, um, you know, wore the number nine. I think he played against town twice um, when we played them. I think he played in the 6-0 win at Portland Road for town and obviously it uh, wasn't a great day for Exeter, but obviously a great day for us. But, um, you know, he's gone sort of gone, gone up the leagues, you know, had a nice little loan spell in League One. He's gone to Birmingham, scored, I think, five goals. Um, obviously, it's been a bit of a um, transitional period under Wayne Rooney. Um, <laughs> obviously, I think... Very diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, I'm sure a lot of fans would be very excited about this one because he's, yeah, you know, he's a, a promising young player. If you're him, and there's been a lot of talk about would this be would this be appealing to him? I think ultimately that boils down to whether you are getting the signals from Fulham that they see you as someone that they're they're grooming for a first team as a first team player, and um, and you know, and, and I'm sure he'd back himself to be able to follow that that pathway. And if that's the case, you probably think. <clears throat> stay at Birmingham where I'm getting guaranteed game time. Okay, their form's not been great, but he is still working under one of the greatest strikers this this country's ever produced there. You may as well make sure you, you're more he's guaranteed more game time there than, than he probably would be coming in at Ipswich mm. for the second half of the season. But if, <coughs> excuse me, if this is kind of more of a long-term view that you think it, it's maybe not going to happen for you at Fulham, as Ross said, he's come to come to Ipswich with Exeter in the back half of last season and seen with his own eyes, you know, what all of the noise and the bus welcoming and the, the promotion and everything good that's happening around this football club at the moment. I think there's talk about his family being sort of London based. So, you know, Ipswich isn't a million miles, is it, to jump on the train to, to get down to London when, when he wants to and stuff like that. And ultimately, he'll know there'll be enough talk within the game that Kieran McKenna is the manager you want to play under as a, as a young player to develop at, at this moment in time. So I think there'd be more than enough of a draw um, from an Ipswich perspective. It just just remains to be seen whether whether Fulham want to do anything. But um, uh, it, as I say, he's not 
I'm not sitting here saying he's the prime target. He's the only target. He's he's one of a few that they'll they'll be looking at. Mm. On that note, Stu, we're going to obviously talk about uh, Massimo Longo and Cameron Burgess next, and um, their kind of respective news around international stuff. <clears throat> going into into January, Stu, this last past January was an absolute masterclass in terms of adding the right players to push them over the line. Um, are we expecting something similar? Do you think this January it's going to be very much targeted and focused and um, as you expect, I guess, under Ashton and McKenna, incredibly well thought out and logical. They'll do well to match last yeah. January, won't yeah. they? Probably the best January transfer window in, in the club's history. Um, they're a relatively modern thing, aren't they? Transfer windows. Um, mm. So I don't think anything will have topped that mid-season. Notoriously a difficult time of the year. To do business, as Ashton says, it's more of a, a seller's window than a buyer's window. Um, the way they did the business so early last January was was the big thing. Massimo Luongo was already in the building and sort of training on trial before Christmas this time last year. Um, <clears throat> then I think there was one on, there was a signing on like the 8th, the 9th, the, the latest one was the 19th. So you had, mm. you had uh, obviously Broadhead, uh, Clark and George Hurst um, and those four going into that window it was you know just started out of a little bit of a wobble over Christmas but you know generally it was a sense that the squad was was reasonably deep they'd, they'd come through the other side of a, of a few sort of medium-term injuries um, but they strengthened from a position of strength and those four players that we mentioned just took the team to to a whole new level didn't they to get them over the line so <clears throat> They'll do well to replicate that again at a higher level. Mm. Um, this market is very different to the one that, which were the big fish in the smaller pond uh, last year and could maybe flex a bit of financial muscle to to attract some players, but it's a different ball game to to be able to do that uh, in the championship. But you trust in in everyone behind the scenes to have um, got their ducks in a row and um, left no stone unturned, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and be interested to see um, who they can bring in. Mm, yeah, watch this space, friends. Stewie will have his ear to the ground as ever, of course. So keep an eye on everything that we produce in terms of uh, transfer window stuff because uh, clearly a very important time for town. Moving on then, Rossi. Um, the other bit of big news, I guess, this week, aside from sexy stuff, was uh, was news that kind of broke overnight on Tuesday, Australian time. I woke up Wednesday morning to see that Massimo Luongo had retired from international football. Now, this is big, clearly, because we, we talked about town being potentially without him and Cameron Burgess for up to five games at the Asian Cup in January. Um, Luongo, by the sounds of it, would have been picked for the, the Australian squad. But he's decided that now is the time, having just literally got back into the, the mix, played um, for Australia against New Zealand, didn't he? Um, that now's the time to hang up his international boots. What did you make of this news? Uh, not too surprised because um the age does come into it once again you know, you know when, it, when you get over 30 it's like do i want to continue with my international career um obviously there's some players like messi ronaldo of course they're still playing for their countries i think i think they are still um i don't think they retired just yet but um australia is a long way away as we know boys um shout out to our listeners in australia because it is a long way to go and a lot of those traveling you know to and obviously they play in different times definitely with the asian cup in january but yeah, it's a long, a lot of travel to do, mm. and to do that back and forward every international break. He's got, I think, a young family. 
I think he's actually now a citizen of England. I, I think I saw, you know, last month. Um, so he's now, you know, committed to be living here. And obviously he wants to keep his place in the team. You know, he's had that, you know, the, this year has been fantastic for him to come, mm. you know, back from injuries, be a part of a promotion winning team, now playing week in, week out for a, a top half championship team. It's been a great journey for him. And he just probably feels like I've done what I can for Australia. I think he's won 45 caps, I think, in total. Of course, won the Asian Cup back in 2015. Um, he just probably felt, you know what, don't fancy getting on the plane and travelling all the, you know, across the countries and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I wasn't too surprised, but I think he's made a decision because he's family and his career for the rest. You know, he's 31 now. He probably wants to play, hopefully, for the next five years. So, yeah. Yeah, good news for town, clearly, Stu, because we talked about him being absent and, and Burgess being absent for some big games in January. We weren't expecting this to, to come out from Luongo. Um, what was your what was your take on it? Yeah, great news from a very selfish point of view um, mm. from Ipswich because him and Morsi have been <clears throat> a superb duo in the middle of the park, um, very similar in their sort of tenacious and technical output. Um, <clears throat> I think it's the the fact that it is Australia and you're travelling halfway around the world every time you're called up would, yeah. would take a lot out of you um, from your body. And you, ha- you have to remember um, Massimo Luongo had come arrived at Ipswich uh, at the start of this calendar year with a bit of a, a checkered injury uh, record, certainly in, in the couple of years leading up to it. Um, you know, he'd broken down at Sheffield Wednesday, he'd not got game time at Middlesbrough. So it's been remarkable, really, that he's been able to churn out the number of games that he has for Ipswich this calendar year. And he's probably not wanting to sort of tempt, tempt fate, as you say, at 31. He only signed a one-year deal with Ipswich um, last summer. Um, so yeah, I, some might sort of speculate that oh, he's worried about losing his place to, to Jack Taylor if he goes away and comes back and doesn't get back in. I think it's probably even just a wider, bigger picture issue around protecting his career and making sure that he's fallen back in love with the game. He's probably playing the best football of his career these days with sports science and everything. You can go on sort of 35 plus quite, quite comfortably, as much as Ross says otherwise. Um, so yeah, I think he's probably just sort of p- protecting his, his longer term future. Um, and for it, which it's great because they've got a key player available for a, for a key period 100%. Yeah, it's kind of a once in a lifetime scenario, isn't it? This at town, probably the last two seasons go up and then have this sort of season in the championship. I'm sure Luongo wants to be as, as much a part of that as he can be. Um, Stu, are you okay? Because you're uh, you're coughing quite a lot. I'm worried you're gonna have to, I'm gonna have to sub you off. Get Alex in off the bench. <laughs> uh, right then, Rossi. Cameron Burgess, though, we know that he's going to be missing. They announced the squad again uh, last night. He's definitely in it, so he'll be he'll miss at least two games, up to five games, um, if they if they go deep into the competition, which you expect they probably will. Uh, is it a case though of just in comes Axel, quite happy as you were? Uh, yes and no. I think um, the headline Stu did on the website, you know, bittersweet, or I'm sure that's a quote from Cameron Burgess, you know, is bittersweet because, yeah, obviously he wants to play for his country. You know, I'm sure he's mm. that is one of his ambitions. I think a lot of footballers, you know, ambition is to play for their their country. Um, and, you know, he's he's been able to do that because he's unbelievable form this year. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure he was always destined to probably be picked going to the Asian Cup. But obviously, he's now part of a team who are fighting for automatic promotion places, um, potentially. <laughs> Well, I won't say it. Um, but yeah, it's Axel, obviously, it's been great to see him. He's played some really good games. You know, he came in for Watford, played really well. Um, 
but there's always that question mark in it with that injury, like, you know, back-to-back games. Can he do it? He hasn't been able to. Has he done it yet? I don't know if he has, has he? Um, but this opportunity for him to potentially do back-to-back games. Uh, maybe January is another opportunity for us to sign maybe another centre-half, potentially, you know, for a loan. But then Cameron does come back in Feb. So do you just go with Axel and Wolfie for those five games and see? So, um, yeah, it's a bit bittersweet. But, you know, fair play to Cameron and I'm sure he'll have a great um, tournament. Yeah, you spoke to Cameron yesterday, didn't you, Stewie? And that, those are the words he used, bittersweet. Yes, with a, with a little bit of prompting from, from myself. <laughs> uh, would you say, Cameron? Yeah. Um, yes, you would, Cameron yes. says. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's probably the best way of summing it up, isn't it? He's, he lived in Australia, the background behind him, you know, I think it's pretty clear that he was born in Scotland from the accent, um, but he lived there. His family immigrated there when he was 10. I uh, can't remember if it's, I think it's his mum who went over there to work in the oil mm. industry. Um, and he lived there from the age of 10 to 16. Um, and then made sort of quite a bold decision to get on a plane at the age of 16 on his own and come come back to England to pursue his football career, um, which obviously has happened. So, yeah, um, what do Ipswich do about his absence? He's obviously been a real key man. I mean, his... Mm. His improvement arc has been the steepest, no doubt, under Kieran McKenna. Um, there was a bit of a wry smile when I said to him yesterday, will you get a point over Christmas to sit down and think that it's two years ago, almost to the day that the Barrow game had happened. And here we are, just played Norwich, and now you're preparing to play Leeds and Leicester. And big smile came across his face there. Um so, yeah, delighted for him from a personal point of view. I don't think he'd ever dreamed of playing England at Wembley and things like that happening, um, you know, only 12, 12 to months to two years ago. What do Ipswich do? I think you have to be very mindful of the fact that Kieran McKenna has repeatedly said that getting up to speed with the way his team play, both technically, tactically, physically, takes a bit of time. And I referenced Massimo Luongo having been on trial sort of pre-Christmas last year, and they did have several weeks quietly behind the scenes of him getting up to speed. I think it was towards the end of, it might even have been February before he actually got properly broke into the team. So Mm. if you're trying to bring in someone as a bit of a sticking plaster for Cameron going away in the middle of January, you're not going to have a lot of time to get him up to speed. By the time they do get up to speed, Cameron's back, and then you've just given yourself an extra body to to manage so there'll be a balancing act there there'll be players that I'm, I'm sure are offered to them um, but they're very good at planning ahead and that's the reason they signed Axel Twanzebi back in early September and they've been so very keen to kind of wrap him in cotton wool and build him up and make sure he's a robust is because I'm sure it's with with this Asian Cup sort of moment uh, in mind really so um He's looked good, as not he, Axel? He's looked classy when he's played. Uh, the only the only downside is they're losing a bit of a left-footed balance in, in that centre-half mm. uh, area. Um, but I think I'd be tempted to kind of go with, with Wolfie, Axel, George Edmondson, lest we not forget. Mm. Um, Dominic Ball could be your fourth-choice fourth cover if, if, uh, if needs be during that period. Um, and see what happens. <clears throat> yeah, as you say, you get the feeling probably with Town that they have actually planned ahead for just this, this instance. And there were some quotes from um, Alex's chat with Axel that went out yesterday morning where uh, he was talking about there being a, a plan, a phased kind of plan return to action for him. And I bet that was all with this scenario in mind for, for getting peaking for January. Um, 
because that's just the way things are, aren't they, on the McKenna at town? Right then, <clears throat> let's talk about the Christmas games, boys. Two massive Christmas crackers starting on Saturday. Uh, early kickoff live on Sky against Leeds United, the side 10 points behind them in third place. And then, of course, on Boxing Day, live on Sky, evening kickoff, Leicester City in what I'm sure will be marketed as the biggest game in the Championship so far this season. The two sides who have been the cream of the crop to date, clashing at Portman Road on Boxing Day. Let's talk about Leeds first, Rossi. Uh, Leeds, obviously the only side that have beaten town at home this season in that kind of period where they suddenly had all their star names uh, together before one of them headed off, one who played very well that day. And also they just signed Perot, hadn't they? Um, so kind of at a peak there for Leeds and they've been up and down, but mostly up since, um, although a couple of stumbles in the last couple of games. Leeds United, um, the only team in the league not to lose at home as town go to the Ellen Road. How are you feeling about this game? Because I'll be honest, I did a little preview for uh, predictions uh, predictions for the, the four festive games. This is the one I'm most worried about from a kind of potential town defeat point of view. Yeah, there's been a few fans who have um, been asking me how you feeling about this one. And I've just said, I am excited for this one. This is what you're, you know, I'm sure the players are, can't mm. wait. You know, what what a game. You know, Ellen Road, me packed out, I'm sure. Um, obviously, if we, we score early doors, you know, th- their fans are going to turn, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a, a very interesting game. I think it's going to be goals. This is a must win for Leeds. So pressure is yeah. on them. With us, obviously, you know, we want to win. But there, I think I was speaking to the Mediopo guy and he said, yeah, this is their first big must win game of the season because 13 points ahead of them. Um, so yeah, they've still got the, their star players, haven't they? Still got like Somerville, and they've spent. They've got you know they have got Premier League squad. You know, I think mm. their striker Ruto, he's like like thirty five million something like that. Six million, thirty six million. Yeah, add the other million, yeah, um, which is just mad. But although I don't think he scored that many goals this year, I think he's maybe scored four or something like that. But um, yeah, they're they're you know they are a danger. Obviously, they've you know they're, they've been up and down. Daniel Fark in charge, although I think he's very much gone. Yeah, I was the Norwich manager back then, but this is I'm a different man now. I'm, you know, I'm at Leeds. I'm a Leeds United manager, but uh, yeah, it's a it's what you live for really as a, as a football fan for these big games and uh, yeah, to be part of the, this Christmas festive period. It's it's exciting, but also a bit worrying because they're you know big games and tough games yeah. to play. Almost as if the, the the sky schedule is new with these games. That this this would be the scenario. <clears throat> Siri Leeds United away, um, probably one of the toughest places you can go to in the Championship. Uh, when you add in everything around this game as well, Leeds United have to win. You spoke to Kieran about this yesterday and he kind of said something along the lines of there's not going to be too much pressure on us. Clearly, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bigger <clears throat> game in terms of result for Leeds. Yeah, he stopped short of using the uh, the underdog, uh, underdog, underdog tag, <laughs> yeah. um, <clears throat> which I kind of put to him. You, newly promoted side, sandwiched between three down from the Premier League. Are you the underdogs in this promotion fight? And... A sort of bulked at promotion. He still won't put, still won't sort of claim it, which to be in a promotion fight, despite the way the table's looking. And we still got more than half the season to go, mm. half the season plus one game. Um, so sort of keen to play that down. But yeah, I think he's quite happy for others to to sort of talk up that without him necessarily making a big deal of it. He just says it's it's pretty obvious, really, that you you look at the the budget of these teams that have come down, the Premier League experience combined of, of some of these squads. And we have to keep reminding ourselves of 
despite the the money behind Ipswich Town, the maximum fee in this squad is is one and a half million pounds. You mentioned mm. Rutter there. Leeds can go out and sign Joel Perot, who is a uh, has been a a championship goal machine for for several years. Twelve million quid. Dan James, electric fast winger, former Man United player, twenty five million pounds. I think they paid even for Jed Spence a million pounds just to get him on loan. You know that mm. that's what Ipswich are up against here. Um, we've seen firsthand their attacking threat at Portman Road earlier in the season uh, during that what nine minute period where uh, they blitzed Ipswich in, in that first half. But I think Ipswich can take a lot of heart from from the way that game unfolded as well. Caused Leeds problems themselves, scored three goals. Aside from that little mad uh, period where they conceded, mm. they had some some decent moments of, of keeping them quiet. So um, I think it's quite nice that Ipswich have transitioned from having all the pressure on them for that derby game last weekend to now going up to Leeds and, and being on the other side of that coin mm. and knowing that all the pressure is is on Leeds to close that 10-point gap and to <clears> deliver <throat> in front of their their home fans. I think this is a game that um, they can go and really enjoy. Yeah, I'm going to ask you for predictions at the end of this for both games. So let's let's transition to Leicester. I know Leicester's a game away. and I know it's obviously it's hard to talk about because you don't know what will happen at Leeds. You don't know, for example, if Morsey gets yellow carded, that kind of thing. But we have to talk about Leicester because this is the last pod before that game too. Um, Rossi, the top two sides in the championship meet at Portman Road. Two sides who have been streets ahead, <coughs> excuse me, of everyone else so far this season. Uh, and two sides who play incredibly similar, sexy, play out from the back, blitzkrieg counter-attack, unbelievable attacking talent. What a game this could be, mate. It's going to be a shootout, isn't it? It has to be definitely at Portland Road, as we know. You know, away mm. form, it's more you know, score one, and that's us done. But uh, at Portland Road, just whoever can score the most wins the game, basically. And uh, yeah, we, we mentioned Leeds game that's four three. Yeah, Leicester could be very much you know same. Hopefully, a win for Town. Um, but yeah, this should be a Boxing Day cracker. You know, normally Boxing Day games at Portland Road in the past have been, as I mentioned, I think a while ago. You know, I think it was a goal of straw at Gillingham with Paul Ambient in charge, and that was that was that was a dreadful. Always day. QPR, wasn't it, for several QPR, years? Yeah. We had a nil-nil against them and some really, really, really dull games. Feats as well. I think a three-one. I think Tommy Smith scored an over a kick to score a consolation to win to, to lose three-one. Um, but yeah, Leicester City. I think we all knew they were going to be the the best team in this division with with their their, their players with their new manager in charge. Obviously, they've gone down the same route as you know with Town really bringing in a young manager. Obviously, he's you know worked under as Enzo Maresca, um, former Pep's assistant at Man City. Um, but yeah, this as I said before, this is games you just look forward to. You know, when the calendar, you know the fixtures came out, you circled different fixtures. I think Leicester was up there. Um, obviously, we haven't played Leicester yet. We're played. Yeah. Everyone else so far, obviously, we play Leeds before we play Leicester first, which is just, I don't know how the fixtures have worked out that way. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a very good game and I think fans are going to be enjoying it, but it's a tough one, but can't wait for it. Yeah, you couldn't have penned this script better, Stewie, for this game to be, because the, they're the last the last team that Town haven't played. And for that to be on Boxing Day, on telly, with the two sides, 10 points clear at the moment of anyone else. Um, is it going to... You look on paper, and I've watched Leicester a lot this season because my wife's a Leicester fan. It's going to be a, a tetchy household come Boxing Day night in in, in the Heath uh, the Heath Towers, and they are a beautiful team to watch. Much like Town, they've got so many good players. You know, Dewsbury Hall is unbelievable. The wingers, Mavadidi and, and Fatawu, 
fantastic. Um, and you've got someone like Indeedy in, in, the, in the engine room as well. Play very similar football, as I say. They play out from the back, very similar to town. And like town, they can also hit you on the counter incredibly rapidly. Um, it, it's got to it's got to be there's got to be goals in it, hasn't there, Stu? And it's going to be I, I don't want to say a festive feast because that's too cliche, but I've just said it. It's going to be a festive feast of football, isn't it, at Portman Road? <laughs> I hope so. That's the way it's certainly shaping up to be with mm. the, with all the form of the both sides and how things have panned out at Portman Road. Um, <clears throat> I think what Ipswich have done at the start of this December when we looked at Middlesbrough away, then going to Watford away in midweek off the back of that, followed by the Norwich game, they've put some really good foundations down to go in and just enjoy these two games and, and attack mm. them as they have done every game this season. Um, pressure off a little bit. You could almost say that the Leicester game's a bit of a free hit. I think everyone's expecting them to to win the league. Um, it's more about kind of keeping leads at bay. So um, both both are games to just look forward to and and see what happens. As as Kieran McKenna says, it's going to put down a marker really of, of exactly where Ipswich are at. Is, is it a good thing that they've come so close to each other over Christmas? You can look at that sort of two ways. It would have been nice, really, if he'd have had a full week run mm. going into both those games to fully prepare. But it's it's the same for both sides. And, um, you know, you have to trust in this Ipswich squad that um, I'm sure there's going to have to be a bit of rotation. But as we've seen at Watford recently, five changes to the team and and uh, they deliver. So I think we all we all trust whoever whoever is selected to um, to give their all and and um, be in the game, and we'll see which way it falls. Yeah, in terms of I mentioned their Leeds being the only team in the league not to lose at home. I think in terms of record, they're the third best in terms of points, but they're certainly they're only the only side who've not lost at home. Leicester, however, are the best away side in the championship. They've only lost once. Um, away from home and, and basically murdered everyone. So yeah, it should be it should be a fantastic game. As I say, a tetchy one, a tense one in the Heath household come Boxing Day night. She'll she'll be able to have a beer. Obviously, we, we'll be working. I'll be working, so uh, she can enjoy it and get a bit rowdy. Where I'm sitting there going, "Shut up, on deadline," um, that kind of stuff. So, boys, I'm going to ask you now to predict the results of these games. Um, shall we start with Leeds? I shall start because, as I say, my head tells me, unfortunately, I think this might be one that, that Town lose, but my heart also says that they're going to find a way of digging out a draw in what I think will probably be a game with some goals in it. So I'm going to go 2-2. I'm going to stick with Connor Chaplin as my first goal scorer. Um, Stewie, do you want to go? Because Ross is obviously ahead of us quite a long way in the table. So that, I'll let you get your tip in first. Um, <clears throat> I've just looked what I did. I did a set of predictions for... <clears throat> for the Christmas period a little while back. So I just referred back to that. And I, I did have this one down as a defeat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ellen Road, top home form, individual talent. Even Kieran McKenna yesterday, you could tell him, but it needs to be a top, top, top performance. We're going to have to be really, really good to stand any chance. Um, and I don't think that's him trying to over-egg it to, to build up the underdog stuff i think that is genuine that that he knows that this is a dangerous team that they're facing um who are who are going to want to have to close that gap so uh reluctantly i'll, I'll put this one down as a as a 2-1 to leeds who's going to score for town um for town uh, connor chaplin two chaplains rossi you and, and alex are obviously running away with this prediction league um what are you saying for this Leeds clash? 
Still only days, though, boys. Still only days. You know, second half of the half, season. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. mate. Don't you worry about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to back the boys. I'm not going to go for a win, but I'm going to go for a draw as well. <laughs> um, so, so I'm backing them. So, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. sort of saying Stu's wrong here. Town are going to get a point. Um, I'm going to go for a 1-1. And do you know what? I think I've done him a few times and it's not happened yet. But you know what? Leif Davis to go Ooh, back to Ellen Leeds. Road. Oh, that um, Maybe score the, the equaliser. You know, late equaliser. Um, and he goes, well, ah, it's what you could have had. Um, and that's a 1-1 draw. Lee Davis, there we go. I'd love that if Lee Davis scored at Leeds. Right then, Leicester. As I say, I, I, looking at all the stats, having watched Leicester a lot this season as well, I can't see any any way this is not going to be an extraordinary, exciting game of football um, with, with plenty of goals. Leicester have got the best defence in the Championship, but they have, they have conceded two in each of the last two games against Millwall and Birmingham. So certainly not size that, that poses sort of attacking threat that town do. So I'm going to say a shootout on Boxing Day with uh, me and the missus going back and forth, taking the mick out of each other as goals fly in. And I'm going to say 4-3, Ipswich Town win. And I like Nathan Broadhead to score first in this game. Um, Stewie, you also expecting some sort of shootout? Um. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> what do I think about the Leicester game? I, I, having said that, I think they might lose at Leeds. I'll, I'll come with a dose of optimism for this one. I think being at home, um, I think Ipswich. I think Ipswich can win. So I'm going to mm. put them down. I'm going to put them down for a win in this one because I think that you know if they lose or whatever happens at Leeds. Then you kind of, as I said, it's almost like a free hit into this one, and that's these are the sort of games that I think when two teams go toe to toe that Ipswich might might enjoy. So I'll, I'll say um, a reverse of what I've just said for Leeds. I'll say two one to Town. Okay, who do you think is going to score for Town first? Uh, how about George Hurst about against his former club? Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good for for Big George to continue that scoring spree. Uh, Rossi. Leicester at home, Boxing Day, what's going to happen? Oh, I don't want it to ruin our Christmas. Oh, that won't. We'll, we'll still look at the table and go, bloody hell, boys. We're, uh, we're, we're still second. I think, I think like uh, she says, the beauty of this one is, regardless of what happens at Leeds, this, this is kind of a free hit because it doesn't really matter what happens between Town and Leicester. It, it, it only matters really what the gap is to third. Um, so maybe there'll be kind of shackles off. Let's just. It probably matters more from a psychological point of view for the rest of the division will be all kind mm. of, you know, I'm sure those are across the border are now looking out for every Ipswich result, waiting for them to, to falter. Likewise, a lot of the teams towards the top of the table, ah, this is when the wheels start to fall off and mm. um, <clears throat> whether that just sort of creeps into the subconscious of, of Ipswich. But in, in general, um, yeah, this is, it's, it is a bit of a free hit really, isn't it? Sorry, Rossi. I talked over your prediction. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I, I sort of segued into a little discussion there, but uh, I want to go for a win as well because why not to um, have the Christmas leftovers? Because obviously this is a evening kickoff, so we'll have a bit of Boxing Day morning slash afternoon, and then we'll head down to Portland Road. And um, as I said, hopefully it is a Boxing Day cracker, and um, I'm going to go for a three-two town win, and Nathan Broadhead to open the scoring. Nice. I might see if I can set up a reaction cam in my in my lounge for this one because um, I think it'll be like I say, it'd be quite a lot of banter going back and forth. We will, of course, also, I'm sure, like everyone, probably had our second Christmas dinner by the time this game comes around with the leftovers from Christmas Day. Right, friends, so uh, what are we saying then? Prediction-wise, me and Rossi saying a draw at Leeds. 
Stewie's saying a defeat. And then we're all saying, actually, a win <laughs> against Leicester City on Boxing Day. That would be great, wouldn't it? Um, there we go, then, friends. The talking is over. Stu's just about made it through this podcast. Well done, Stu. You've uh, you've you ploughed on like a, a trooper and got to the end. Um, Rossi, anything to say before we take our leave and get on with Christmas fun? I just yeah, enjoy enjoy, ladies and gentlemen. You know we've enjoyed this season so far, and I'm sure it's going to continue. Uh, and yeah, of course, uh, check out and make sure to look out to all of our content that will bring you over the Christmas period. And uh, yeah, have a good one. Indeed, yeah. In terms of that content, we have recorded a special Christmas Day Kings of Anglia podcast, which will be out audio form and also to watch. Obviously, Christmas is the time that you watch NAF TV um, with talentless presenters. Um, so we slot right into that uh, on Christmas Day. That will be available for subscribers to watch. Stuart, so, anything else from you before we uh, embark on these two big games? Uh, no, no other business. Follow us for all the coverage, as Ross says. Uh, it's a pleasure to be there. Can't wait. Absolutely. Right then, friends. Just to remind then, obviously, to support our sponsor, use the code COA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all the excellent clubber. Keep an eye out. I'm sure there'll be offers as well in, in January um, to get your hands on some of their stuff. And also, friends, we have not had a five-story on iTunes for a while, so if you could leave us one of those, that would be superb. And remember, also, you can get your hands on some Kings of Anglia merch. Just check the link on all our social media if you're looking for something to spend that Christmas money on. What better than a Kings of Anglia hoodie, cap, cup, insulated coffee cup for your, your road games this season. Um, get involved with the Kings of Anglia merch. So then, friends, there we go. Talking is over. Christmas is all, almost here, but more excitingly, there's two massive games on the horizon. I hope you enjoy them. Have a great Christmas. Enjoy our Christmas Day special, and we'll be back to speak to you after the games sometime next week on the other side when I'll be about a stone heavier. Look forward to that. Friends, have a good one. We'll speak to you then.